Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome on in, Eagles fans, to the No Huddle Show, episode 50 of our Philadelphia Eagles podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined as always by Elliot Shore Parks and Mark Eckel. They cover the Eagles for NJ Advanced Media, they were down in Landover, Maryland on Sunday afternoon as the Eagles lose another game. Two in a row now, 27-20, a loss to the Washington Redskins, dropping the Eagles now to 3-2 and after a 3-0 and start. Elliot, we'll start with you. Last week, there was a lot of blame to go around. This week, similar but different. I mean, the Eagles, uh, they were awful in a lot of facets of the game, and I, I think they deserve, they certainly deserve to lose this game, probably by more than a touchdown, but... Uh, it was a close game, and, and they drop it. Your thoughts as that one was playing out? Last week against the Detroit Lions, when we talked about who was to blame, I thought Doug Peterson was pretty pretty low down the list on uh, you know who was to blame for that loss to the Lions. This week, he might be at the top. I mean, I know everyone's going to concentrate on Halapuli Vitae, and we'll obviously talk about him later on, but it's Doug Peterson's fault that he's out there. And it's cl- it was very clear from the beginning of the game that having Vitae out there on the offensive line was going to really, you know, be bad for this offense, that they were not going to be able to do what they'd been able to do the first three weeks and, and let, uh, the first four games without with, with Vitae out there. And, you know, what he did during the game in terms of trying to help Vitae, he didn't do much in the first half. In the second half, after rewatching it, um, I think he tried the game plan a little bit to, to get Vitae basically uninvolved in the play. He ran to an opposite side or he rolled Wentz to the other side or, you know, he would call a screen or something like that. But the, the mistake was made during the week when Peterson decided that Vitae was the best option. I don't know what Vitae was showing in practice, but it couldn't be. Any, you would hope it was nothing close to what he showed against the Redskins. So I think this game was lost before it even started with, with the decision to go with Vitae. And, you know, obviously none of us knew how bad he would be. Yeah, Elliot, that was bad. Vitae was bad from the beginning. The Eagles offense seemingly was wrecked from the beginning of the game because of what Ryan Kerrigan was doing. And it felt like Carson Wentz was under pressure every single attempt, Mark. Your thoughts on that one and and really Doug Peterson's role in in what was a really a debacle of a a game? Well, listen, I'm I'm not going to defend Doug Peterson because there's a lot of reasons to riff Doug Peterson. But to say... What was his other option? And well, his other option was what he did in the preseason. We moved Barber out to that. How did that look? I, I mean, back in the preseason, I don't think they played very often together. Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So he looks every day and he knows what he had. He's playing the hand he was dealt. They had. I'm blaming above Doug Peterson. 
I'm, I'm blaming Howie, the, the guy who put this roster together. They knew Lane Johnson was going to get suspended. This didn't come out yesterday. This came out. They knew it in August. They knew it in preseason. They just didn't know when because Lane appealed and all that. And good for Lane. He tried to win. He, he lost. But, you know, they knew this was coming. They decided to keep Vitae and Josh Gordon and or Dylan Gordon and Josh Andrews and, and all these guys on the roster. They could have gone out and gotten somebody else. They could have made other moves. They, they could have done anything they wanted to do. Maybe, hey, maybe they can get Dennis Kelly back for uh, Doriel Green-Beckham because Green-Beckham ain't, ain't done a damn thing for this team. Maybe Dennis Kelly would have been a better right right tackle. Everyone hated Everyone thought that was the greatest trade of all time when, when the greatest general manager of all time pulled it off. But, hey, what's the bigger need right now? So, I'm not, I mean, Doug, had, Doug put out the guy that he thought, watching practice every day, was the best guy. Yeah, but I, I just find it. Well, I guess that's what I'm saying is I agree. Well, with you're you. saying Doug doesn't know, doesn't know what he's watched. You're saying Doug right. can't. I'm saying what, uh, right is what I'm saying. I'm saying clearly this was a poor valuation. But I'm saying he played in the hand he was dealt. If you get well, a six and a, and, a, and a three, you got to usually you fold, but you can't fold in the NFL. So you have to. I I, I I agree that the and this is something we talked about before the season that the depth and really some of the starters, but mostly the depth on the offensive line. Is is a problem. It's a huge problem. But I guess my point is, I mean, I guess I guess I don't know. But Al, there's, I find it very hard to believe Alan Barbie would have been worse yesterday. The combination of Alan Barbie and and Wisniewski would have been worse yesterday than Baitai. I'm, I mean, probably not. If yesterday, probably not. It probably wouldn't have been worse. But you're asking Alan Barber, who's played one game at right tackle this decade, and Wisniewski, who hasn't played guard at all since his rookie year. To play two positions, they're not ever. They're not used to playing, and you're hurt, and you're hurting yourself at two positions. I would not. I still don't think that's the right move. I think the right move, again, and everybody hates this guy, but would Matt Tobin have been worse than than Vitae? Well, but I, and look, I, going into this game, we both agreed that moving Barber out from guard to tackle wasn't the right call to hurt you at two spots. Right. And obviously, you know, it's easy to say after the fact what the right move to make was, but it's clear that. Starting Vitae was not the right decision. And I agree that the, the roster is flawed on the offensive line. But Doug Peterson made, in my opinion, the wrong decision starting Vitae. And now, obviously, again, like you said, it's easy to say that now. Yeah, well, I, I agree. But I'm, I, I'm, I agree, but that doesn't change the fact that he's still to blame. Well, it was the, hit. The, bottom, you're, the point is, do you think Doug Peterson can't evaluate talent? If that's I, the case, then that goes way deeper than just right tackle. Well, I don't think I don't I don't want to say Doug Peterson can't evaluate talent on a large scale, but I think it's clear that if he if his main reason and we're also assuming he made this decision. I mean, I, I you know, he is the head coach, but I'm I'm assuming Stoutland had a lot to do with with this. But Stoutland works for Peterson. No, I know. I'm just saying I think Peterson is a guy that listens that does a, that listens to his staff a lot. So, if Stoutland said to Peterson, I think this is the best move, I think Peterson would probably listen. But at the end of the day, it's his he he's the one that makes the decision and the blame falls on him. So I'm not saying Peterson can't evaluate talent. I'm just saying his main reason for starting Vitae was what Vitae was showing in practice. So clearly they were seeing something they liked in practice. Right. And clearly it wasn't good enough because Vitae, you know, I mean, like he I mean, Kerrigan's a tough matchup, but he looked awful. I mean, he looked completely outmatched. So Whatever they saw, they did a bad job evaluating in the week leading up to this game. And I think that falls on Peterson. Absolutely. But what I'm saying is, all he could, I mean, 
I agree. I, I agree. don't know. If, I don't know who would have been. I mean, you're saying, "Well, Barber here and put Wisniewski or do this." We don't know. We don't know what that would have looked like because we didn't see that. All we saw was what 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 was what we saw. Cool. That's why I thought getting manhandled. But I guess I guess an analogy I would use, and we and this like leads in another part of the game was when it was fourth and twenty four on what ended up being their last offensive drive of the game. Right? It was fourth and twenty four. I think. Yeah. Right? Was it okay? I, I thought punting was the right decision because the chances I of. I, the chances of completing a fourth and twenty-four play are very slim, but obviously, especially without Freddie Mitchell. Yes, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. yeah. I, I agree with both of you. That was the right call. So but I would have so, called timeout to do it, but it, but it ended up not being a good decision because they never got the ball back. Right. So, although the chances were very slim beforehand of completing the play, clearly if he could do it again, he would not. He would go for it on fourth and twenty-four. And I think if you if you could rewind to Sunday at you know, 12 o'clock or whatever, even last Tuesday, I think he would move Barber to the outside and put Wisniewski in. Well, so, you couldn't do it Sunday. You can't put Barber out there without playing him. For- no, I know. I, I, that's why I said the last Tuesday. But, but my point is, I think if Peterson could make the decision again, he wouldn't Well, he start. gets to make it again. This wasn't yeah. the last game of the season. Right. No, I know. But we're talking about who's to blame for this loss to the Redskins. And I think Doug- it's, it's more than that. You know, Jim Schwartz and his defense is getting a big-time pass here. That's I 100% agree. I 100% agree with you on that. But right, let's let's go to that. And I think that's a good point both of you are making. Jim Schwartz is getting a pass. Doug's getting blame here. But how much of this falls on Doug? I mean, all right, the decision we're talking about to start this show is the one everyone's talking about. Big V, how much he struggled, and Wentz is getting beat up because of it. But the, the game wasn't just lost. That kind of set the right. tone for it, and that was big. But, again, 13 penalties. Uh, the defense was off. I mean, I always struggle with this, and Mark, you've been around for a lot of different coach-coordinator relationships. Elliot, we just you just watched it with Chip and and Billy Davis. Like the defense plays poorly, and Doug Peterson doesn't get any blame for that. Like that's all Jim Peterson. Excuse me, Jim Schwartz. Like where does yeah. the blame fall on Doug? Because the team overall just didn't look like they were ready to play again to start well, the game. It was, it's funny because me and Mark were debating this yesterday in the uh, in the press box. I forget what player we were talking about. About uh, oh, why, why um, uh, why like Vinnie Curry? I forget what we were saying, but ultimately, it's kind of again like the Vitae decision. Mark was saying, and I don't know if you still feel this way, so I don't want to put words in your mouth. But M- Mark was saying that he thinks it, it falls on Peterson ultimately because he's the head coach, right? Right. You, okay. And but the point I was making was I think Jim Schwartz is to blame because I don't think Peterson has any say over the defense. I mean. All, I guess if if he really felt strongly about something, he could put his foot down and right. tell Jim Schwartz you want to do it. But, but I but a I don't think he does that, and b I don't, I don't think I don't think that would go over well, and I, I don't think Schwartz is the type of guy that would react well to that. So I think whatever whatever you see on the defense, hundred percent falls on Schwartz, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, I agree. No, I think you misunderstood. I agree with what you just said. Yes, and I and it's been that way a lot of places. Chip didn't let let Billy Davis run it. Andy let Jim Johnson run it. You know, when when Jim was his coordinator, I don't think as much with McDermott and 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 Juan Castillo, but um, Buddy Ryan let his offense coordinators run. I mean, I, I've been. I mean, that's just most places do that. You know, right. Mike Holmgren, who was a great head coach in Green Bay, let Fred Shermer run his D. He did. He's you do the D, don't you know? Just let me. But again, I think good head coaches, if they don't, if they see something they don't like, or if they have a player that they think should be playing, they go to the, the, the court and, hey, listen, I, we need to get this guy on the field more or we need to get this guy off the field more, whatever, whatever the case might might be. But, no, I think in this situation, I mean, let's be honest, Schwartz has a lot more NFL experience than Doug Peterson does as a coordinator, as a head coach, as everything. So 
it, this is a little bit of a unique situation in that the the defensive coordinator is more has been around a lot more than a, than the head coach. So let me I, ask, let me ask you this: If okay. Peterson goes up to Schwartz on the sideline yesterday and goes, you know, I don't I don't want to see Tullock back in this game, right? I know he only, he only played one snap yesterday. Yeah, just go along with that. Okay. Right. Peterson goes to Schwartz and says, you know, don't don't do this. What you're doing, like, don't do it anymore. How do you think Schwartz reacts to that? He might not be happy, but that's his boss. Okay, right. But I'm saying, I think, I I don't think Schwartz reacts well to that. And I I think, I guess what I'm asking is. depends on how he says it. I mean, if Peterson, if Peterson says, hey, Jim, listen, Tullock's killing us out there. We we can't, we we, got to do something different. You got to come up with with something different here. I think, or maybe not a player, but what if, what if Peterson says, Jim, I think we should blitz more. Cousins is, you know, every time we, we blitz, they're not picking it up and, and we're getting good, good results. Let's, let's, let's blitz a little more. I think we're okay. We'll, we'll blitz a little more. I guess my larger question is, do you think it's a, pro- do we think it's a problem? We've gotten a little bit off topic here, but do you think it's a problem if Peterson can't go to Schwartz? Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. I, I, I would think so. Blitz. He's that, the boss. Right. Mean, he he's got to be in charge of everything. Yes, he's the boss. I mean, I think it's great that a lot of, that uh, some head coaches have you know don't aren't dictators and and they have all autonomy. You know, they they let like I said, and all right, let's go back to Andy Reid, who Doug learned from. You know, he let Jim Johnson. Andy, they were guys on defense. Sometimes we we, we would ask Andy questions, but he didn't even know their names. <laughs> Swear to God, I'm, I'm I'm not making that up. Early on, we'd ask about a backup linebacker. And he would say, uh, yeah, and he'd get his name wrong. I mean, he, that's how little he knew about what was going on, on on defense. But I do think if, if like, again, like the example I gave, if, if Andy thought, hey, listen, we need to get, you know, let's, let's send Trotter on a, on, a, on a blitz more. I think it was like, oh, a good idea. All right, I'll, I'll blitz Trotter, you know, uh, you know whatever. I mean, uh, he's still the head coach. Eventually, it all, no, nobody keeps track of Jim Schwartz's record. As You know what I'm saying? This is on Doug Peterson's. Well, and I guess, so no matter who we think is to blame for the defense, even though it seems like we all agree it's Jim Schwartz, yeah. they've still been really bad the past two weeks. They haven't been ready to play. That's the, and don't right. tell me how great they played in the second half. It's too late. I agree. The first half. I agree. And they weren't even that good in the second half yesterday. They were better. But, I mean, they still didn't play well enough to win. No. And they and and they allowed that long run when the yeah. Eagles were trying, to, you know, were trying to get the ball back on the last play or the last drive. And – yeah, I, I think this is the second week in a row Jim Schwartz's defense has come out and been outcoached at the beginning, looked unprepared, and been very sloppy. And I, I think the number one problem with this defense in the past two games is tackling. In the first three games, they were a very strong tackling team. If they, you know, on, on screen plays and things like that, they were making the tackle when it was there to be made. And, you know, small plays weren't turning into big ones. That has not been the case the past two weeks. Against the Lions, it was bad, but against the Redskins, it was it was atrocious. I mean, Connor Barwin was missing tackles. Nigel Bradham was missing tackles. It it was it was bad, and you saw it because a lot of small plays turned in, into to big ones. So going forward, you know they're going to have to improve as a tackling team. In some ways, that that falls on Schwartz, but that's also slightly personnel. I mean, Schwartz can't go out there and make the tackle for him. Let's let's attack each three of the the worrisome areas right now. We have offense, we have defense, we have the penalties, and then we could kind of look forward. Let's start with the defense because you're touching on that, Elliot. I think a part of the problem is early in the season, it felt like the defensive line was playing so well. They were kind of making things easy on the other waves of the defense. To me, 
the defensive line, you mentioned Connor Barwin. He's invisible out there. I don't think Fletcher Cox was credited with a tackle on Sunday. If they're not wrecking the game, I think it kind of exposes that the guys behind them, especially the linebackers, just they're not that great. They'll miss tackles. When there's open space, they're not they're not flowing to the ball and, and getting to the tackle the ball carry. I I'm to me the defense is a worry because although the game was close through the score yesterday, I mean they were blown out. I mean the Redskins dominated that football game. How worried, Elliot, should we be about the defense as, as we move forward? Because this was supposed to be the strength of the team. It's a tough question. I mean, ben, the Benny Logan injury, obviously, and um, it's Monday, you know, Monday morning, and I guess some of the initial reports are that he, he might not play next week or he might be out a, a little bit of time with the groin strain. Um, I think Bo Allen played well against the Redskins, but obviously losing Benny Logan is, you know, he's probably your second-best defensive lineman. And if you take into account the the penalties that Fletcher Cox himself called called stupid, you know, Benny Logan might be one, you know, just right up, right up there with Cox. So, so losing Benny Logan is a big blow, but to me, I don't see why Vinnie Curry isn't playing more. I mean, I know everyone's saying, you know, Connor Barwin is, is playing well. I, I don't see it. And maybe Barwin's better against the run, but on that, on that long run yesterday that, that ended with Rodney McLeod pulling, uh, pulling the, the guys. What you should have let him score? No, no, not 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 that run. Oh, in, in in like the first half of the oh, first quarter. There were so Connor, many long runs. I got a moment. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Connor Barwin missed a tackle at the beginning. So you know, again, this goes back to Howie Roseman. But why why isn't Vinnie Curry playing? I mean, you gave him all this money, and Vin, Vinnie Curry said leading up to the Redskins game, he was sure he would play more. Now that he's healthy, he's sure he'll play more. Well, he still only played 30% of the snaps, and he played – I think it was maybe closer to 40%, but he played considerably less than Barner uh, and Graham again. So the defensive line, you're right, is an issue. Now with Logan potentially out, Curry not playing as much, you know, I, maybe it'll turn around, but they, they have not played well the past two weeks, and it exposes the secondary. I mean, Malcolm Jenkins wasn't good yesterday, even though he had to pick six. Jalen Mills, I thought, improved – throughout the game, but he, he was bad early on. Um, the Eagles don't have the personnel at cornerback to, to cover guys for, you know, four or five, six seconds. So, yeah, the, the defensive line has to improve. There's no question about it. Mark, you look at the defense. What's the big problem here, and why have they gone from being, you know, a team that was giving up nine points the first three weeks per game to one that now just feel – I mean, the Redskins did whatever they wanted to do on Sunday. Because you're not playing the Bears and the Browns anymore, Joe. Well, the Steelers were the Steelers oh, were pretty good an, offense. Okay, the Steelers game was an aberration. One of them goofy things that happen every couple years or so, where it's just something, and you can't. It's unexplainable as it is. But let's be honest. This team, everybody thought, oh, oh they're three and oh, Super Bowl. No, I didn't redo my picks like everybody else did. Okay, I didn't. Re- I didn't redo mine. They beat the Bears and the Browns, and the Steelers game was I. I don't know what happened. But so you still think they're going to win four games? Closer to four than than eleven, like 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 you. Said. I, I whatever. I I I redid what? nine to ten. But what I'm saying what? is, I thought you said eleven. No, I said ten. But whatever. Go ahead. Go ahead. We can. I'm see. just saying they're not that good. Look, <laughs> okay, they beat the Bears and Browns. The Bears and Browns are one and eleven. Everybody beats the Bears and Browns. Steeler game. I I can't explain it. I don't. I'm I'm at a loss for words. Redskins and Lions. They played like like the, this is what I thought they were. I didn't think the defense was great, and they're not. They have good special teams. I, I don't know. I, I disagree. I think that the – Let's I, see how it plays out, okay? Yeah, no, you're right. There's still a ton of time. I mean, it's a ton of ten games we play. I think the defense is is better than they've shown the past two weeks, in my opinion. I think that – Why? 
Well, because all right, I you we both agree Fletcher Cox obviously he's a very good player, but he's but he's but he can't keep having these dumb penalties. That's and, we'll, and we'll get into the penalties, which are just I mean, and especially him, right? Like of all the players to get those kind of penalties, he can, and what do you call it? A dumbass penalty? It is yeah, a dumbass I, penalty. And they're huge penalties. I'll give him credit for admitting it, yeah. But yeah, I mean, still can't do it. The penalties cost. I mean, a lot of things cost him the wins the past two weeks. But yesterday, that penalty. You know, it turned it from a three. You know, it gave up a touchdown. They lost by seven points. The week before, the penalty gave up a touchdown. They lost by one point. So clearly, these penalties are huge. And to get that from your supposedly best player on defense, and he is, but it is, is big. But I guess what I'm saying is, if if they can cut, if Fletcher Cox doesn't have these big two penalties, I I think the defense it can still. And if they don't bring a kickoff back for a touchdown and an interception back for a touchdown, it's a blowout. Yeah, but they but they did. But well, if, and and so did Fletcher Cox. If don't right. you're using ifs, I'll use ifs. No, no, no. I, what, what, I guess what I'm saying is, I think I I think the defense can can be the the unit they were the first three games. Yeah, if they keep They're playing the, Bear, the Bears and Browns back on the schedule. They'll, they'll be real good. But I think I don't think they played. But I I don't think I mean I think the defensive line has talent on it, and I think they've they have to play better. But I think they they can play. Better than they have the, the past two weeks. So, I don't think Brandon Graham can play any better than he. Brandon Graham was playing way over his head the first three games. Way over. Yeah, he was averaging a sack a game. Way over his head. He was. Then he yeah. went out, ripped Rutgers, and he and he and he was invisible. He, like, <laughs> don't rip Rutgers. That's don't rip Rutgers, and don't mess with NJ.com. That is the that's the lesson here. Sorry. Right, so the defense has gone from being for the three weeks one of the best in the NFL for whatever reason to now. I mean, even the game last week, I didn't think they were bad because the first half they, they were not stay, good. They're, they're not great. This is not a great defense. I'm sorry. It, it's it's certainly – well, I mean, based on yesterday, and we're doing this on a Monday, it's not a great defense because they got shredded by the Redskins. I mean, shredded. They gave basically 500 yards and over 200 on the ground. It was a bad day. Uh, it was exacerbated by the penalties. Let's talk about those because, all right, everyone last week, or maybe not everyone, but a lot – most fans wanted to get on Pete Morelli and his crew, and I understand it because they were bad. And on Sunday against the Redskins here, there might have been two or three questionable calls that people debated on. But for the most part, this week, this wasn't on the referees. This is the Eagles getting penalties here. This is now, that was 13 yesterday, 14 the week before. They're on pace for over 150 penalties. I think it's three straight weeks with double digit. I mean, this is, it's getting ridiculous, Elliot, that every single week they have double digit penalties. I mean, they won't win games if this continues. No, and... Yesterday in the locker room, Malcolm Jenkins said against the line. I'm para, I'm paraphrasing here. I want to make sure I say I'm paraphrasing. When I'm talking about Malcolm Jenkins, but he uh, he said against the Lions that he thought it was a mixture of bad calls with sloppy play. He was clear against the Redskins. He felt it was more just sloppy play. He didn't think there were any egregious calls. I personally disagree. I thought the you know the push in the back on Wendell Smallwood that negated a big third down thing wasn't a good call. But the the point is, if you're penalized 27 times in two weeks, I, you know a lot of fans are saying, oh, they're getting ripped. The, the refs aren't doing a good job. Yeah, if it was one call a week, maybe I would I would agree with you on that. But you get 27 penalties in two weeks, and that's your fault. That's the team's fault. That's not the refs. They they've been sloppy. I mean, we talked about the Fletcher Cox penalties. Those were both stupid penalties. Um, and, you know, I, there's there's been more off the top of my head. So, you know, I, yes, the refs haven't gotten every single of the 27 calls right. There's probably been some calls that weren't called that the Eagles maybe should have gotten. But overall, the Eagles can't blame the refs for the past two losses. They've been a sloppy football team. Mark, what's going on here with the penalties? And, and do you think this is something that is just an anomaly or – like, why, why so many penalties? Is this discipline? Why do you get yeah, so many penalties? This is an undisciplined team that is a, that is a 
that is that they're they're undisciplined because their coaches are undisciplined. They're right now the Eagles are the most they're the third most penalized team in the league right now with 49, but they've only played five games. Oakland with 52 and the Rams with 50 have played six games. So really the Eagles are the most penalized team in the league if you go by, you know, per game. In 2010, your Detroit Lions were the second most penalized team in the league. In 2011, your Detroit Lions were the third most penalized team in the league. Who was the head coach of those Detroit Lions? Any want to guess? That'd be Jim Schwartz. Bingo. You win, Joe. Get the prize. He's well, I think you're, I think His teams I think, are always undisciplined. I think you bring up something interesting here. I mean, is this now this that, is you're right? This is what you get with him. He's undisciplined. His teams are out of control. Look at the so, look at Sue. Sue was a, a, a basket case in Detroit, but thrown out of games, suspended, this, that, and the other thing. Schwartz never did, 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 did anything about it. To me, it's a reason to worry, right? Because that's a track record of Jim Schwartz defenses. Now, the offensive penalties, that's a different story. But the defensive penalties, I mean, Elliot, do you think this is something the Eagles fans should worry about? Because as Mark said there, that this is what the Lions did when Jim Schwartz was there. And it looks like it's carried over here. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with what uh, with what Echo just said there. I mean, maybe, you I'm know. Facts, I'm sorry. I, don't, I know, that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't mean to bring facts into it. It's, it's, it's hard for me to argue that, but. I mean, they weren't undisciplined the first three weeks. So, at the five- those games too. Yeah, they did. I remember writing during the bye week when I did a thing on what you know they're they're three and zero and the world is in great place. But there's some things they got to fix. Penalties was one of them. They had a lot, they did have penalties those first three games. I guess maybe they didn't overshadowed because they didn't. They were playing the Browns and the Bears. Well, and the Steelers. And I, they, I, I know. I'm just saying. Outer space. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess overall- they had seven penalties against the Browns. Go ahead. And they had, they only had five against the Bears. All right, so that's they bad. Had, they had ten against the Steelers. That's a lot. All right, look, 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 the look, game was the first was the five against the Bears. All right, well, let me let me say this. So we, we've talked about the offense and defense and the penalties a little bit. Overall, I don't. I'm not ready to write the team off. It sounds like, of course, that cool. Is that is that fair? I'm not. You could do that. No, you, you can't do five games. I'm asking. I'm saying, I'm saying. I still, I still think, despite these two losses, and there's definitely things they have to fix. I still think this team can be a playoff team. I think you're dreaming. Okay, so you don't think that? that that's I, I'm, I'm with you, Elliot. I don't think the season is over. I, I, I think if you look at not over, of course it's not over. No, yet. but if you, if you take a step back, there's. Oh, you looked you, at the, Have you guys looked at the schedule? By yeah, the well, and we should get into that, right? But the schedule is, it's getting to the point where you look up. And you look at the teams and what what they look like right now. I don't know if I've ever seen a schedule like this because I don't. They might not see a team with a losing record the rest of the season. Like right, when now, they, right now, as we stand today, they have one team on the schedule that currently has a losing record, and that's the Bengals. Well, the Eagles don't have a losing record. Just putting that out there. That's true. So. No, no, it's true. It's true. <laughs> right. No. If you but told me, if, if you told me through through five games they'd be three and two and they'd have the best point differential in the NFC, still, I, I would have said everyone's going to sign up for that. It's just the way it's happened here: three and zero well, to three and the, two. The, the issue is the loss of Lane Johnson. Yes, right? that was coming. But here's the question: If they have Lane Johnson yesterday, do they win the game? Maybe. I don't know. They have a good I, chance to. I mean. I, but, Right. So my wouldn't point, have the, he wouldn't have stopped the Redskins from running for 230 yards. That's true. No, but I mean, he, all right, who knows how the game plays out differently. What, no, what, no, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not in the hypotheticals. I'm sorry. But, but, but my point is the fact that they're three and two, like the, the two straight losses, as, as Joe was just saying, it's how they've done it that's concerning because the, the Lane Johnson issue, which 
Mark is right. They saw I'm that coming, coming and they should know. have done something I'm better about back it. For the last two games. What? Just in case you weren't aware, he's not coming back till a week. week well, this is what I was going to say. The Lane Johnson issue, like, like we can we can talk ourselves in, into the defense playing better and all those things. Lane Johnson's not coming back. And so, to me, that's the biggest problem going forward when you talk about this team. I think the defense will rebound. Maybe I'll be wrong about that. Who knows? I think Carson Wentz is really good. So, I think if you have a good quarterback and a good defense, you're going to be in a lot of games. The Lane Johnson issue is a, is a major issue when you talk about this team going forward and whether or not they can – compete in my opinion no it is and how do how do they fix it i mean doug after the game and then i believe this morning as well we're doing this on a monday morning reiterated that big v still his guy i mean he, he has the right to change his mind anytime he's but, a warrior joe he's a warrior well he could be a warrior he could be whatever he wants to be and he's, Steven, I'd, I'd rather have steph curry if i want to if i'm getting worse <laughs> can't do any worse no he can't so he can play now, guard that's he yeah. is very good at that. Yeah, he's the MVP at that. And I mean, when the, we look forward, the Eagles can they survive this? Or, and I, I think part of it is how good Lane. Like, it's not just that Big V was bad, which he was, but Lane Johnson's really good. I think we said it last week. You know, he might be the second best player on the entire offense, even though he's a right tackle. That that's what he is. I mean, Elliot, do you think they can survive this? Whether it be with Big V, whether it be scheming around it, whether it be a change, or is is this think, is this going to derail the season? I think they have to go out and trade for somebody. And I'm not saying I know you're going to have to pay a premium to get somebody at this point. Find a team that is not going anywhere and get yourself a quality tackle. Because so Joe Thomas? Yeah, Joe Thomas. Uh, I, yeah, I think that would be uh, if they can do it. And here, here's why. Cap? Well, I, I don't – I mean, yeah, I think it would work under the cap. He was, sure. I mean – the cap can be manipulated. The Eagles, I mean, Howie Roseman is good at oh, that. If, if yeah. Howie's good at anything, it's yeah. manipulating the cap. Oh, yeah, he's the best. He's great right. the roster, too. <clears throat> well, I actually wanted to talk about that after I make this point. But this is, if, like everyone says, you know, what would you have to give up to get a player of Joe Thomas's quality? Maybe not Joe Thomas specifically. Even if you have to give up a second-round pick or something like that, I'm strongly considering it. Because if you're the Eagles, two, two things. One, Lane Johnson's a major question mark going forward. Because if he gets another suspension, he's out two years. So I don't know if you can build around him anymore. Two, Jason Peters probably isn't here next year. And it's very clear looking at this team that they have nobody in the pipeline that that could be a long-term answer. So you're going to have to go out this offseason and sign somebody or use your first-round pick on a tackle and just hope he's really good. So if you trade for somebody now, it helps you in two ways. Or three ways, I guess. One, it helps you this season. Because I still think this team could be a playoff team this season. And I think making the playoffs would be a very good thing for this team now that they're starting Carson Wentz. If Bradford was still here, I could make the argument, just let him get beat up for the next nine games because he's not going to be here anyway. But the most important thing that this team has going for right now is Carson Wentz. And we've seen over history what playing a rookie quarterback behind a bad offensive line can do to him. I think Wentz is very good, but if he gets beat up these next nine games, who knows what type of impact that has on him, A, his development, and God forbid if you're the Eagles, Vitae misses a tackle and Wentz tears his ACL or something. I mean, I know I'm not the biggest Bradford guy, but I don't think there's much disputing that Bradford's injuries have derailed his career. So, you know, you got to protect Wentz, and you can't protect him behind this offensive line. So if I'm Howie Roseman, I'm going out and I'm trying to trade for somebody ASAP because it helps me in the long run, which justifies giving up potentially a, a pretty good asset. And two, it helps me right now. So I don't think the answer is on the roster. I think they have to go out and do something about it. Mark, how do you fix this? Can they fix it, and or is no, this going to derail the season? I don't think you can. I think you are. You, you have what you have, 
I mean, it's, it's easy for Elliot to say, oh, yeah, go trades. Other teams don't, don't – offensive linemen are hard to find. I remember during – when Lane first got suspended, or when not when he got suspended, when word got out that he was going to be suspended, I called around and I said, hey, are there any, you know, are there any tackles available? Are there, is, is there anybody on, on the street that, you know, any, any free agents still out there? I was told, no, if there was, if there was anybody was out there, he'd, he'd be signed. Well, certainly there isn't, there isn't anybody out there now. So f- forget any, any bum out there that, you know. I agree with you on that. All right. Now trade. Okay. You're going to overpay for anybody. Just like the Vikings overpaid for Sam Bradford because you're the desperate team. Right. You, the, the other team has all the leverage. But also I asked that. I said, well, is there anybody that a team could, you know, maybe that might want to trade and, and I was told people don't trade good offensive linemen. They just there aren't that many. Like there are there are especially tackles, guard, center, maybe tackles. They're a premium. You don't. They're like quarterbacks. I mean, you don't you don't give those guys away. If you have a if you you know how many teams have two good ones even. You know, so it's hard to get a good tackle. Right? I, I, I you know. Sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. I I agree that it's going to be hard to go out and get one. My my point though is. I think this is an issue that can only be solved by trying to trade for one. And if I'm the Eagles, I'm willing to pay that premium. If you can find a team willing to do it. Right. You gotta you gotta find the team and the player and Well, let me ask you this. And mm-hmm. all right, so let let's say I'm just gonna keep using Joe Thomas as an example. Let's say the Browns say they'll trade you Joe Thomas, but it comes at a premium. So you gotta give up, I don't know, a second round pick, two second round picks, one this year, one next year. Like Overall, as a general school of thought, would you uh, would you be okay with trading with, with paying a premium for a tackle right now, or is that something you wouldn't? No, do? I, no, I don't. You know me. I'm I'm about. I don't. I'm. I don't mind paying for something good. So yeah, if I could get Joe Thomas, I'll pay the price. I just overpay. You have to overpay. You're That's definitely what I'm saying. right. Yeah. Like, but, but my point is, if Sam Bradford was this team's quarterback right now, right. I would say no. Just deal with this in the off season. Don't overpay now. Whatever, right? But I. But so my question to you is: Does the fact that Wentz is in there, does that change? Like, does that alter your opinion on what they should do? A little bit, yeah. Because like you said, the you know, last thing you, you you want, I, I don't want Sam Bradford to get. I don't want anybody. I don't want any of my guys to get hurt. Well, but, obviously, I don't want them to get hurt. But I guess. I but I don't want like you used the comparison that was a good one. That you know you don't want Wentz to become. And I've seen this, like Browning, the name that comes to mind for, for Jets fans back in the day is Browning Nagel, who was a pretty good college quarterback, a high second round pick, maybe low first round pick, I forget. High second round pick, I think he was. Um, and he got beat up beyond belief as a rookie. They put him in there too soon. He got beat up. And he was never the same. The other one is uh, uh, David Carr, the number one overall pick by yeah. the Houston Texans. And, and, they put, and he got beat up and he... He was never any the never more than a backup after that. I mean, and I, and I'm not, and I think Carson Wentz is more talented than both of those guys. But hey, I don't. Yeah, the last thing this team needs is Carson Wentz to anything bad to happen to Carson Wentz physically or or mentally or emotionally or anything else. They he's the he's the ticket to the future. And yeah, so I think it was you just said was it you or I don't maybe it might have been Matt that said you know they should just put Chase Daniel out there from here until they fix the line. Yeah, or just sign someone off. Hey, put Tebow back there next week against the Vikings. I mean, if you can convince us. He'd be hitting home runs and stuff. I know, right? Yeah, but so – Well, another point I wanted to make, we talk about, you know, the construction of the team and all this, and I'm sure you'll you'll love this point, Mark. But hmm. let's talk Let's talk about Howie Roseman's offseason real quick. Because okay. yesterday, yesterday during the game, 
Uh, I tweeted, I thought Nigel Braddon was the best uh, linebacker on the team. And I think up until yesterday, you could have made that argument. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's, uh, yeah. Without and Joe, Joe tweeted to me, which was a good point at the time, another good signing by Howie Roseman. And I think that Nigel Braddon was, signing was a good one. But let's well, not he overlooked the fact that he's been arrested twice. Yeah, but I still think if I think if you yeah, can, he might be a dope, but he's a good player. Yeah, right. I think well, if you could do that if you could no, do that deal again. Again, he might go to jail. He still might go to jail. Right. Okay, but as of right now, but as of right now, I think that was a good signing. Like I said, if you overlooked the, the arrest, go ahead. right, right. But even that one has its flaws. But okay, Lane Johnson. Arrested. Lane Johnson paid him to be the fourth highest left tackle in the game and the highest paid right tackle. He suspended ten games, and obviously that signing ended up not being a good one. Can we agree with that? Hard to argue. Okay, I mean he's, not, he's out for ten games, and he's one more suspension away from a two-year ban. Right. Yeah, that not Vinny, good. Vinny Vinny yeah. Curry, right? Yep. Who I think can play, but isn't playing, and is not right. He yep. he's second highest paid defensive lineman on the team and plays the fifth most. That one, as of now, not a good deal. Scratching my head on that one. Yep, Zach Ertz, right? Yep. Who I like. But, oh, I like all these guys. They're nice guys. Go ahead. No, no, but I'm saying as a player. I think he's a good player. He's okay. Had, had a big drop yesterday, right? Yep. And they're not speed- – But he caught one pass. Come on, he caught one pass. Yeah, but – and, and this is a larger point is they're not, they're not scheming to get him the ball. I agree he's not making plays when given the opportunity. He's made some plays. He's dropped others. But he said yesterday, and whatever, this is him at his word, right, that – he knew going into the game that he was not going to be a part of the game plan, and it's been that way the past few weeks. So obviously he feels they're not trying to get him the ball. Whether that's right or wrong, whatever. He doesn't think the coaches are. So Lane Johnson, Vinny, well, hold on. Lane Johnson, Vinny Curry, Zach Ertz. Those were the three big deals this offseason. Am I, am I missing? Cox, and Fletcher Cox, who has almost caught. I still think he was defensive player of the month for September, but he's had two really bad penalties the past two weeks. This so, is October now. Right, right. So – the first three I mentioned, definitely, I think you can scratch your head at. Fletcher Cox won. I thought they overpaid, but whatever. I think he's been a good player. So this, this offseason by Howie Roseman, outside of Carson Wentz, is starting to look a lot more shady. Yes. Then at the time, and I oh, made – you forgot. No, another good signing. They, they've had two good signings. If, Brandon, Brad, you know, if you look the other way on the fact that he gets arrested every other month, right. um, Rodney McLeod's a good signing. Ryan McLeod and Brandon Brooks have been a good signing. Let me, throw, let me throw one more in. I, I, maybe you're going to touch on him, Elliot, but I, I just want to throw this one in. That I was watching yesterday. I had uh, the red zone on, and I had some of the other games on while I was watching the Eagles. And in the second half of the Bengal-Patriot game, I knew you were going there. Go Eric Rowe was covering A.J. Green, and he was doing a pretty good job. And uh, there's, there's some pieces up today in the Boston papers about how Eric Rowe is fitting into Bill Belichick's defense. Really? And I, I I bring this that. up not because hmm. not so much because Eric Rowe's playing well, which I don't think uh, we're surprised Belichick's figuring out a way to use him, but because yesterday in the yeah. Eagle game they dressed only three corners and Malcolm Jenkins clearly and I don't I don't blame him, he couldn't cover Crowder. Like he can't stay with that guy at this point of his career. Hmm. Uh and the Eagles dressed three corners yesterday. So I, I just And Leotis McKelvin has been can't a disaster. Right. The two Ron Brooks can't play. The, the two cornerbacks they signed to be their starting cornerbacks can't play. Ron Brooks and Leotis McKelvin. And, and they're relying on Mills, who I think is is a gamer. And I he's think a rookie seventh round pick. There, there's going to be – I think he's a pretty good player. He probably will become a good one. But there's – like you said, Mark, there, he's a seventh round pick, and there's going to be good with bad, which that's what you expect. Right. But here's Eric Rotre was dumb. It was dumb when they did it. It'll be dumb – I'm telling you. In the Super Bowl, the last drive is going to be the Vikings driving for the winning score 
And one of it's either Bradford is going to beat Rowe for the winning touchdown, or Rowe's going to pick him off to save the game for the Patriots. I'll bet on Belichick against Bradford. But anyway, here's a here's the Bradford overall. Beat him last year. Here's here's overall though I'll say because you know I'm sure Eagles fans listening to this right now are getting you know not feeling great. Maybe they should. But all these moves that we just met, all these moves we just mentioned, obviously they matter clearly, right? But it does seem like Howie Roseman got the Carson Wentz evaluation and trade correct, and that. Or got lucky that the Rams took off. What, whatever, but he still ended up with Wentz. So, <laughs> excuse me. If if that proves to be correct, like it is, that does a lot to offset a lot of these other moves that right now aren't looking very great. You forgot Ruben Randall and Chris Gibson. How they playing? Yeah, all right. Hey, I I'm not defending Howie. I even, I'm just bringing up the other moves. That's all. Right, right. Said that was another good move. Another good move, but Howie. So I'm I'm asking that, how to Randall, Ruben Randall, and Chris Gibson. That one didn't end up working out. Because they don't need a wide receiver. And this is what – and at the time of the deals, I think – I was arguing with another media member. It wasn't either you or Matt. And I, I was saying, like, you know – We had to know you argue with other people. That's good. Yeah, right? <laughs> I was like, you can't judge these moves yet. Like, yes, they look like good deals, but they've – who knows how they're going to work out. Like, it, like, you can sign someone below market value with the idea that they're going to improve, but, if they, but they have to improve first. For, they, they have to improve for it to end up being a good signing. And like I just mentioned, the three ones, Lane Johnson, Zach Ertz, and Vinny Curry, none of those three players have taken a step forward this season. You can make the argument all of them have taken a step back, definitely with Lane Johnson. So, you know, I just think, you know, just to revisit the Howie Roseman offseason, those moves ended up not being as good as everybody thought at the time. Yeah, it's, it's, and there's going to be more of this that will play out, and, and some of these our opinions will continue to change, but it is an interesting look, Elliot. All right, let's wrap with this. Uh, the Viking game comes up Sunday. Sam Bradford's return it feels like it's not the talking point today because there's so much off the game yesterday and the two straight losses, but it will be an interesting story all week. All right, I'll throw this out there to you before we look at the schedule quickly because it's difficult moving forward. I feel like this is a huge week for the defense, not only because it's Bradford, but because the Vikings don't have either of their starting tackles. Their wide receivers, although pretty good, it's not like you're facing Julio Jones. You know, It's kind of a nondescript group. Like This should be a week. The Eagles' defense bounces back and helps them stay in this game. Do you guys agree, or do you think they're just going to get railroaded on Sunday? Elliot? The Eagles are beating the Vikings this weekend. There we go. There we go. (laughs) I'm telling you this right now. I I think they match up well with if their defense shows up. I told you they were going to beat the Steelers. They beat the Steelers. I also said they beat the Lions and the Redskins, so that's fine. But whatever. You say they win every game. You pick them every week, but you have to pick them But to be fair— I was really close to picking the losing against Redskins. I was on the fence about that oh, one. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna I was gonna hit the lottery too if I you, hey, you picked him to beat the Redskins too. I'll right. pick them every week except this week. All right. I like to pick them to win and when, and when they lose, it's like ah good. I picked right. that. I think they're beating the Vikings. I I think I think that I think I think they match up well, like Joe said. I think their offense is better than the Vikings' offense. And obviously the Vikings defense is better than the Eagles is defense, but I think those are they're closer in my opinion, than the difference between the Vikings offense and the Eagles offense. Do you like in the coaching department? <laughs> All right. Yeah, I like I mean I like Zimmer. I'm just asking. Yeah, I I like I like Zimmer. All right, well what do you think about this? I think they're winning. You know what? I think the Vikings would go to the Super Bowl. I don't think they're gonna lose to the damn Eagles. <laughs> All right, so we're we're torn on this one, Joe. Alright, I I think they can I, I right now it's hard to pick them to win, but I do think if their defense shows up, they have a good chance because I just think that Viking offense is just – I don't know how they're doing it. It feels like smoke and mirrors, and we'll see if the Eagles' defense shows up and keeps them in the game. Offensively, 
uh, they might have trouble keeping Carson Wentz alive out there. Uh, let's last one quickly. Next five games. All right, they're three and two right now. The next five games are Minnesota at Dallas at the Giants, Atlanta, Seattle. So in the next five weeks, they're going to play the four first place teams in the NFC with the Giant a trip to the Giants sandwiched in there. What's their record after ten games? They're three and two right now. So what's their record these next five games? We're going to put you on the spot quickly to end this one. Five and five. Right, would that add up? I can't. Yeah, that, yeah, if they go two and three, they're five and five. I I like to take things one game at a time, Joe. But <laughs> I'll, but I'll play along with you. Um, four and six. So they go it, one and they seven. go one and four. They might lose them all. They'll be. They won't be favored in any of them. No, they won't be favored. They might not be favored again this this year. Well, I don't know. They could be favored against the Falcons. I mean, sure, if, if they win the, the next three. Yeah. Have if you seen the Falcons you know, have won the last two weeks? Okay, yeah, but I'm saying if the Eagles. But my point is, if the Eagles beat the Vikings and the Cowboys in next two weeks, I'm just saying you have no idea what the situation. Oh, Elliot, you're such a. I love your optimism. I'm just saying to say they won't be favored. The Falcons traditionally collapse in the second half of the season. It's in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, okay. We know right, they're, they're not favored this week, and if they pull off an upset, it will change the conversation, obviously, again for next week. We'll be back then. The Eagles are 3-2, and two, and the conversation has certainly changed. Elliot, as always, thanks for doing this. No problem. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, i got to go book my flight to Houston for the Super Bowl. Yeah, there you go. We'll Elliot's got me all worked up. We'll see. We'll do a live podcast from the Super Bowl. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to Episode 50 of the No Huddle Show. You can always subscribe on iTunes and anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll be back next week right here on NJ.com.